Seinfeld, the Diplomats Club is over, but we're just getting started here on Seinfeld, the post-show recap here on postshowrecaps.com. It's a podcast about nothing, and now, here are the two guys who bear no resemblance to Sugar Ray Leonard. I'm Rob Sisterner, here's Akiva Winokur. Akiva, how are you? I think you're still like, uh, here are two guys who prove that all podcasters look the same. <laughs> you're not far off, for the most part. I was going to say potentially the guys who own zero David Berkowitz memorabilia. I speak for yourself. Okay, I guess so. Well, I mean, there's a lot. There was like probably four David Berkowitzes in my school growing up. So I feel like uh, maybe not. It wasn't the son of Sam, but not that probably have somebody's pencil or something. All right. Better than John Voight's pencil? Uh, not as good as John Voight's uh, old car. Yeah. Okay. So here we are ready to talk about the Diplomat Club from May 4th, 1995, as we are starting to round out season six, if you can believe it, of Seinfeld. And here we are, Keeve, ready to go. Diplomat Club. Uh, episode 108. 108. Only 72 away from uh, the end of the series, two away from the end of season six. Yes. Another from the tag team of Gamel and Pross back at it again. Yeah, they're really getting their money's worth in season six. Okay, so, uh, Keith, how's your week been? Um, it's, you know, you win some, you lose some. Yeah. Strikes and gutters. <laughs> uh, so, uh, excited to be back with you once again. I really enjoyed the Fusilli Jerry podcast that we did uh, last week. Have not had an outpouring of people. Maybe when we get to the emails, uh, we have somebody uh, uh, commenting on our uh, sending us any moves. Yeah, no, I, I haven't seen any move recommendations. Yeah. <laughs> it's possible our listeners have no moves, just like the podcasters here have no moves. Hmm. Well, I don't want to <laughs> disparage our listeners, but uh, potentially that is that maybe they are a lot like us. It's possible. I feel like uh, like minds attract. And I, they may they may have actually listened to the podcast expecting some advice and and maybe you know that wasn't the way to go right because really if you have moves what the hell are you doing listening to a weekly recap podcast about a 25 year old tv show well what should they be doing if if you're a guy who who can go out there and pick up the lady right you should just be doing that 24 hours a day you shouldn't <laughs> you shouldn't like consume any media is that your opinion i mean th- th- this would not be number one i mean as long if you were multitasking yeah, but, I, but okay. what do you, you can't like there's only even like jerry's got a new girlfriend every week yeah like he's got he's got stuff to do in between he's got hobbies <laughs> all right well we can talk about that at another time so uh keep uh, what do you want to get into before we start our recap of the diplomat club um i guess we have some uh, news ish stuff this week mm-hmm uh, good friend, maybe even better at this point than a good friend. I'd say best friend. Best friend. Of the podcast, Sean Falconer. Mm-hmm. He's at it again. Yes. What does he got? Um, uh, Christine in Wisconsin, a new listener who uh, recently has been binging this podcast. A new listener to this podcast. Yeah. To this podcast, not to like human beings in general. Yes. Or so, the greater RHAP universe. No, no, no. no. Right. Um, so she tweeted at me and she said, is there a list being kept? of all the pop culture and legendary movies that I've never seen. She wondered if she should go back and start from season one. Mm-hmm. Yes. So I, I added Sean Falconer. Yes. And, uh, and you know, so let's see what Sean Falconer can come up with. And he did it. Yes. Okay. Do you want to give us some of the highlights of the list of media you have never consumed? Look at you. Sure, you're, you're almost like a guy with a lot of moves with this list. Yes. Yeah. Well, I have a lot of moves to make still. <laughs> and remember, as I've said, you know, I'm not single, but if I ever was, do you remember what my pickup line is? I've never seen Star Wars. I've never seen Star I'm so excited. You listen to one thing I've said ever. That's but, exciting. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you were picking up 
guys, okay, I think you're in business here. I think that, I mean, I don't know how many women are, like, I feel like that maybe, you know, at, at best, maybe you're hitting 50% saying like, oh, really? Uh, and then the other half are like, okay, why so would it be? Why would I be able to pick up more guys by saying I've never seen Star Wars? I don't understand. Because I they're going to want to show me Star Wars? No, they're going to say like, what do you mean you've never seen Star Wars? How are you an adult male of a certain age and you haven't seen Star Wars? It's, it's gonna, you're going to end up in, in like, and I, I don't know if, if you're getting this guy's number either after this. It's sort of like, uh, sort of, I feel like uh, you want sort of an icebreaker. Uh, I think that sometimes it'll work with a woman, but I feel like that more often than not. I think uh, I don't know. I don't. I don't love this uh, pickup line. <laughs> All right. I, I, hopefully, I, I think we can probably find something better on the list. I think. Okay. <laughs> I've never seen Dragnet. <laughs> no, I don't think that's gonna work. So, on the what, list what about like something lost- like? Uh, you know, I've never seen Dirty Dancing. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if I have seen Dirty Dancing. Okay, well, I maybe go with that. All right. So Akiva's, but I don't want them to like. If I haven't seen it, I haven't seen it for a reason. I don't want people to be like, "Hey, come back to my place and we'll watch it." Then why that's are you a, trying to pick up these people? Well, that's like a hard pass for me. I'm not going back <laughs> to someone's house to watch Star Trek or Dirty Dancing. I mean, I think it's like the Netflix and chill thing. I think as once you're going back to the person's house. Again, this is like a pickup situation. There will be no chilling while Star Trek is on. <laughs> no one has ever done that in history. Set phasers to chill. <laughs> There's never been any Netflix and chilling with Star Trek or Star Wars. Oh, uh, you're going to get angry voicemails. That's never emails. been in the background. Yes, it has. No, no child's ever been conceived to Star Wars in the background. Oh, you're being so close-minded. <laughs> you know, I, I think it was a uh, great uh, childhood friend, Andrew, uh, who once said that if Akiva has not seen something, then it's stupid. And then if Akiva has seen something, then it's the greatest thing ever. Uh, yeah, thanks a lot, Andrew. <laughs> All right, so what else is on this list? All right, so he's got Cocoon. I don't even know what that is. I don't remember <laughs> discussing it. Like old people Any and James Bond movie? I've never seen a single James Bond movie. I think movie. that Aliens is really the turnoff on any of these things. Aliens, uh, yeah. I, it's No, I think he found that it's, Anything before 1990, I've never seen. I've only seen a few movies. I've seen like Hoosiers and Rocky, and that's it, basically, before 1990. Mm-hmm. Uh, a Few Good Men, which I feel like I've seen part of. Mm-hmm. I've definitely this seen the You Can't Handle scene. the Truth. Yeah. Any Superman movie. Superman's an alien, technically. Yeah, technically. I think he is an alien. Bull Durham, JFK, Grey's Anatomy, mm-hmm. uh, The Honeymooners, All in the Family. He wrote All in the Family three times. I think like his algorithm just like instead of me saying like uh, I've never seen All in the Family, it pro- I probably said a couple times like I never see my family. I'm back here listening <laughs> to podcasts and podcasting and just picked up like the wrong thing. The Cheers finale, the Twilight Zone, mm-hmm. le- any of the Lethal Weapons. What about the Lethal Backstrom? Weapon TV uh, adaption? Will you watch that? I didn't even know. I, I didn't even know they had one. Yeah, it's coming up in the fall. Uh, True Blood and the Killing. Yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot more on the list, but. Uh, Great job by by Mr. Falconer as always. Uh, I feel like we have to, I feel like we're retiring this joke now. No more what has an Akiva scene. No, well, if next time something comes up that you haven't seen, we have to add it to All the right, list. But it has to come up organically. Okay, fine, fair enough. All right, uh, anything else you want to talk about before we touch on the diplomat club? I mean, I, I want to talk about like the election and stuff, but I feel like we should do that off the podcast. <laughs> That's a different show. <laughs> All right, so uh, let's go back to uh, the Diplomat Club, and we open up with Jerry setting up the idea of the Diplomat Club because, honestly, I would not really know what it was if we didn't get this sort of a background. So apparently, according to this, Jerry opens up, talks about uh, there's a scam that the airports have going on. It's $150 a year to sit in a room, eat peanuts, 
drink coffee and soda and read magazines. And Jerry says, now, isn't this the flight? Why do I need to do this? Now, what do they call this now? I think they still have these things, but they just call it like what? Like the lounge? Yeah, I think they're, I mean, sometimes they could be called a club. I think there's like the Admiral's Club, the... It's, it's probably more often a lounge than a club. Have you never been to one of them? Is that why you're so unfamiliar with them? Yeah, I don't think I've ever been in there. I'm trying to think. I mean, I mean I'm mean, i typically flying coach, so yeah, I don't really... Like, Even if you fly coach, I think, like, let's say, you, let's say you're, like, stuck at the airport for eight hours. They so let you, you want, go like, in there? Place with good, so, like, you could just buy, like, in a lot of, for a lot of the airlines, you could just, like, buy a one-day pass for, like, 40 or 50 bucks. You know, more often than not, I am... I try to avoid a flight with a connection if I can help right. it. And I also am usually like really cutting it close for any of these flights that I get on. So like there's not a lot of downtime at the airport. Yeah, I've been in these clubs a lot and I've, they're always you, underwhelming. Keith. Yeah, high rolling. Yeah, it's always like what's well, it's always like some international flight where we're like stopping over in a city for like a second. But, mm. you know, but then you have like six hours between flights. So. You may as well go in one of these clubs and there's couches and there's working internet. But I've never been like, oh, man, I really needed that. Yeah. You don't just like uh, walk up to the bar in there and say, uh, you know, uh, I've never seen Cocoon. <laughs> no, I have. Although I know I remember like Chester last time he was flying somewhere. He, he was talking about how he showers in those things. I've oh never my showered God. in one. What of is those he, things. Jennifer Aniston? <laughs> he always he needs to shower a lot, I guess. He he takes showers in these in these diplomat clubs. I mean, if I hadn't taken a shower in a week, I don't think I would uh, want to get naked and shower in the airport. Yeah, no. For airport <laughs> is like the last place I want to be. Then you're probably just putting on the same clothes afterwards. You don't have a change <laughs> of clothes in your carry-on. Yeah, I guess. Well, maybe if you're not checking a bag. Yeah, I, I've never. Yeah, that's true. I've never like been. First of all, like everyone else is kind of gross, especially <laughs> on an international flight. Like everyone else smells. Why shouldn't you smell on the airplane? Yeah, I'll take a shower when I get where I'm going. Maybe. Maybe if you have nothing better to do. <laughs> All right. So then uh, we go ahead and uh, we see Jerry and he's uh, talking with Elaine at the apartment and we find out. OK, so Jerry, this is kind of crazy. He has this woman who's a model that he's having like some sort of liaison type date with. And there's only a six hour window and she's going to be at the airport and he's going to Ithaca for a comedy show Apparently in the afternoon. I mean, is that really where the headliners play in the middle of the afternoon in Ithaca? And also like headliners, co go, when they go to a city, they do like two shows a night for three or four <laughs> nights. They don't do one show and leave. They do like six or eight shows. Like one show at like 2 p.m. And then get and the comedy club is tiny. Like what did he make? The flight was more expensive than whatever he could have possibly grossed from this one comedy set. And the pilot went also. <laughs> Listen, the like, pilot has a lot of free time in between flying to and from Ithaca constantly. Yes, I guess so. All right. So we find out that that's what Jerry has going on. And then we also find out that Elaine is going to be quitting her job working for Mr. Pitt. Yeah, Elaine is going to quit, which I think is, is good for the show. Right. I think I think Mr. Pitt is worn out as welcome. Yeah. Now, we'll see at the end of the episode. This is what the last appearance for Mr. Pitt here. Until is, the finale. And he comes back in the finale. But really, I mean, uh, and there's a big montage, which we'll get to. But really, I mean, uh, how many times have we seen Mr. Pitt? Six? Yeah, I think this is actually exactly the sixth time we've seen him. It is weird. I wonder if they like they didn't like him so much that it's an ironic montage. <laughs> or if they were just like a little light in the episode. And it's, because there's no reason for that montage. It's bizarre. Yeah. 
I don't know. We'll talk about it when we get there. All right. So Elaine is going to go in and quit working for Mr. Pitt. George comes in. He needs to borrow Jerry's camera because this is also pretty odd that his boss, Mr. Morgan, like there's going to be like some layoffs going on layoffs and he wants to take a picture with mr morgan and then put it up on his desk what a plan (laughs) and also like the idea of needing someone else's camera to take a picture is is the most aged thing we've had on the whole series basically now i guess jerry has a polaroid camera i think that this was established when we had the kiss hello is that canon is this the same camera Yeah, it must be because otherwise like why would george need to borrow Jerry's camera like wouldn't he have time to get his own or you know if assuming he has one like it, right it has to be a Polaroid they just don't say it okay all right so we go and see Elaine at Mr. Pitt's office and Mr. Pitt tells Elaine he is amending his will he wants to make sure that she is being taken care of so this is a very nice moment for Mr. Pitt yeah and I, I'm all for getting into as many wills as possible of non-relatives okay now I think that the episode is a little confusing and maybe intentionally vague or unintentionally vague here about Elaine's intentions. So right after Mr. Pitt tells Elaine, I want you to be in my will, Elaine. I want to make sure that you're taken care of for what, no matter what happens to me. And then he goes right into, I feel a cold coming on. Can you get me a cold pill from the medicine cabinet? Uh, and Elaine says to him, oh, no, you mustn't. Uh, you should go to the pharmacy and check before you combine anything with your heart medicine. Now, she also says, I, Mr. Pitt, I want you to live for a very, very long time. Now, based on everything we know about the Seinfeld characters, Elaine can't possibly be acting of that. Oh, I love Mr. Pitt. I want to make sure he stays alive for a long time. He's such a nice man for putting me in his will. You know, it. There's no way that she wants him to die. She's not going to facilitate his death. Would she be heartbroken if he dropped dead? Tomorrow, probably not. But she's not She's not going to aid in his death. Right after he says, I want you to be in my will, you feel like that's out of character for Elaine to not want him to die as soon as possible? Not, I, listen, want and actively participate in his murder. She's not going to murder far- him, but you don't think okay. that she would give him bad advice? Mm. I don't think so. I, I, I have I have too much uh, respect for Elaine to think that. Okay. It's taken it up a notch from, listen, we've established they're not good people. This would be, you know, this isn't just like feigning, you know, indifference when your fiance dies. This is really like, uh, you know, like Kevorkian, somebody who doesn't even want to die. <laughs> okay. All right. So she tells him to go check with the pharmacist. Okay. So George is in his office. Here's Mr. Morgan. And uh, George tells Mr. Morgan, hey, we should take a picture. How about a shot of us together? And as they go to take the picture, and Mr. Morgan has been established a couple times this season, George says, hey, you know who you look like? Sugar Ray Leonard. You must get that all the time. Uh, And this is offensive to Mr. Morgan. Uh, Yeah. And Mr. Morgan, it's, you know, it's worth noting, hates George. So he's not going to like any suggestion or any idea George has. Yes. And he says, oh, I guess we all look alike to you, right, Costanza? And George says, no, there really is a resemblance. Now, Akiva, how many things could potentially go right when you start a sentence? You know who you look like? I think... What's the odds on that? Zero. I, you never tell anybody that you, that you, look, that you look like them. Mm-hmm. Like, I have, I have a friend who, who gets told 
that he looks like me because he looks a lot like me. And it bothers him. And like it bothers both of us. We probably think, like, oh, my gosh. But like, but it really bothers him actually way more than it bothers me. Um, the, I don't I, there's no pot like never tell you could tell a woman like you, you know, you look exactly like, uh, you know, Angelina Jolie in her absolute prime. And she'd be like, oh, I, I kind of think she's ugly, actually. Like, that's mm-hmm. so that's oh, what are you saying? That I have big lips or like, you know, that there will people will find some reason to be unhappy with whatever you say. That's why I don't give compliments on anybody's. Like, I might say, oh, that look, you look very nice. That's probably the extent of what I will say about a person's looks. Yeah, I think even better, just insult them. And then they, they'll sort of have no reason <laughs> to be offended by your compliment. You're like Don Rickles? <laughs> Just give him like an easy insult. Give him like, uh, you know, I think it's called negging. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, that there's no good answer. I mean, uh, that w- my wife asked me something. It's always it's good. Great. Great. It's, I love it. It's perfect. It's, uh, that, you know, but never you look like anybody. Stop it. What does George think? No, no, it's not. It's not even an option. Even if you know that's their like favorite celebrity, and they go to the barber and ask for you know the like the salon and ask for like, can I have the Jennifer Aniston? Don't say they look like Jennifer Aniston. It won't mm-hmm. go well. All right. So that we see Jerry and George talking in monks about this, and so George is showing the photo to Jerry and say, "Come on, don't you think he looks like Sugar Ray Leonard?" And Jerry does not see it. Uh, no, it's fu- it is funny because it's not one of these like all or nothing things that Seinfeld has a lot. Like some people do see it and some people don't as we see in the episode. Mm-hmm. Do you see a resemblance to Sugar Ray Leonard? Mm, I, I, not really, but I, I, I do wonder if the actor, you know, who we've already seen before, if, if, it, if this came up because someone in the back room said like, he kind of looks like Sugar Ray Leonard. I think that's where it came from. I mean, maybe you could say uh, a young Sugar Ray Leonard. It's not like they got a guy who looks nothing like Sugar Ray Leonard. You know, even the guy, the busboy at the end of the episode says, hey, Sugar Ray Leonard can eat here anytime he wants. So there is some enough resemblance that other people say, yes, he does look like Sugar Ray Leonard. Yeah, but, you know, looking at, at pictures of Sugar Ray, he really doesn't look a lot like him. <laughs> not really. Not really. Probably like he has a uh, similar build as opposed to anything that he looks like him facially. Uh, Yeah, that's probably more like it. It's more the build than the face. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So then they're talking about this. And so uh, Jerry and Kramer get into how George says that, you know, there's no racial bias here. Uh, He talks about how uh, he would have marched on Selma if it was on Long Island. If it was in Great Neck. (laughs) If it was Great Neck. And yeah, absolutely. I still might. I always hated those girls. They would never date me. So the Great Neck girls are not dating (laughs) George. What what town did you hate? What was your like Great Neck growing up? What was the Uh, town? I don't know if I had a a town that I hated. I think that uh, I I just had all to do with the people in my own town who didn't like me. I didn't have to like outsource um but where were the girls primarily rejecting you from was it belmore was it merrick oh everywhere i mean every town every town i mean it was no one town that was marching on there i feel like we could have met in the middle we could have marched on lindbrook i feel like that's halfway between us yeah it wasn't like i was rejected by women because that would imply that i was putting myself out there i was just ignored by women universally like there was never like a woman where i was like oh well she might be interested in me and I misread the signals and then got rejected. It was just like I had a 
uh, the ability to, you know, because it was obvious that these women just weren't interested at all. So there was no, there was very little rejection that came. It was just like uh, there was uh, just no effort put forth because I said, okay, there's no opportunity here. I feel like I feel like you downplayed. I feel like you were you were quite the ladies' man, and you're just you're humble. No, no, that well. <laughs> Do you, are you uh, are you negging me right now? Yeah, I'm negging you. You're negging me. Yeah. No, that was positive, actually. No, um, no. There's no uh, no downplay. No downplay in terms of uh, in terms of that. Um, so we, I, I could tell some more horror stories another, another time, but we don't need to get into that. <laughs> we have 29 <laughs> scenes in this episode. Yeah, I know. I can't. I count them too. Uh, but they're, but most of them are are very quick. So Kramer comes in, and George shows him the picture of. Uh, so who does this look like? And Kramer doesn't know. And George gives him a clue. Uh, not salt, but and Kramer guesses Pepper Johnson. Yeah, that's a good sport. That's actually one of the better sports jokes of the series. <laughs> it is funny because there's no um, like like pepper is opposite of salt. What sugar's opposite? I guess it's also salt. Um, hmm, the opposite of uh, sugar. And I'm not going to make a uh, survivor joke. Uh uh, something that's sour, a lemon is a lemon. The opposite? No, of? that's not the op. No, it's the opposite. Of what I think salt gets two opposites. Mm, yeah, I guess so. Well, we'll 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 work on that. <laughs> so then, in terms of uh, that, I want to see what Pepper Johnson looks like in terms of um, what. Uh, yeah, well, it's not for Pepper Johnson. It's not about what he looks like. It's more about the joke being. No, I get it. I get it. I just I just wanted to get a look at what Pepper Johnson looked like. Uh, but that being said, so uh, Kramer Former Jets coach. I think. <laughs> oh, current Jets coach. He's still the coach on the Jets. He still works there. He is the Jets defensive line coach. Oh, good for Pepper Johnson. So George is still convinced he wants to bet Kramer. Two out of three people will say this looks like Sugar Ray Leonard and Kramer's way into it. And now this is introduced that Kramer has a gambling problem and he hasn't gambled in three years. Have we seen any hints of this before on the show, Akiva? No, and it's funny because whereas usually they're just very sloppy about these things, they actually go out of their way a few times to say three years because obviously nerds like us are going are gonna to point to the contest, which is a bet, right? Mm-hmm. And say, oh, well, he bet during the contest. He can't say. So they, that's why they probably say it's been almost three years. Oh, wow. Well, that's pretty good if they did that. They this is the first time ever that they anticipated us, Rob. Yeah, they saw us coming. Maybe they're going to get better at it in the last few seasons of seeing our our like super nerdy take and outtaking us from the beginning. Okay, so George says, you know what would be great is if Mr. Morgan could see me with some of my black friends. And Jerry points out, well, obviously the problem is uh, you don't have any black friends. And outside of us, you don't have any white friends either. So this is a very, a very fair point for George. Yeah, and really, one of the highlights of this episode is is George's quest to find the black friend. But how how could George think like, yeah, if he just saw me with one of my black friends, he has to realize <laughs> he doesn't have any black friends. I don't know. Maybe, you know, I I feel like for for George, you know, I, I don't feel like that he did anything wrong. I don't think that George has any sort of bias here. Oh, definitely you know, not. He really is like, oh, all I have to, yeah, I just have to, you know, show Mr. Morgan like, um, like how I feel. Uh, but yeah, the problem is the lack of people in his life uh, that would change Mr. Morgan's mind. You know, I was thinking about while I was watching this episode, like what a disaster this subplot would have been to, in terms of you know how it plays historically if it was if kramer giving it to kramer yeah. instead of george <laughs> looking for the one black friend <laughs> i feel like they couldn't air this episode yeah they'd have to shut it down all right so george goes and he has a thing of popcorn and a movie 
and he is buzzing up to Joe's apartment. And if you remember back in which episode was this where George had to watch the Breakfast at Tiffany's VHS tape? Do you remember which episode that is? Oh, yeah. The couch. Yes. Yes. All right. So earlier this season. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it is a good callback. There have been a ton of season six callbacks. Um, This is a good callback. I, I do love the idea of like this stranger who you hate just knocking or, you know, buzzing at your door and saying like, I brought popcorn in a movie. Let's watch. Yeah. I'm here to watch another Audrey Hepburn movie because it was so funny back in the original uh, in the episode, The Couch, which is the fifth episode of this season where George is trying to uh, watch the movie with them and a- asking for soda. And I love that the daughter comes home again and she's like, Daddy, this man is here again. He's like, I want you to come upstairs right now. <laughs> I mean, within reason, like George is a total creep and he's already like he barged in, you know, one time was super mean to everybody, like ruined the couch and then left. Yeah, that man is here again. Okay, so we go to the drugstore again. Jerry needed a toothbrush for this Ithaca trip and he is dressed in a white shirt with a tie uh, and he's looking for a toothbrush and Kramer like knocks over a display of pantyhose. And so he says, OK, look, I'll take care of it. So he starts cleaning up. Mr. Pitt walks in and assumes Jerry is the pharmacist and starts asking questions. And Jerry just starts answering them. What do you think of Jerry? Is Jerry do something really wrong here? Not really. I mean, that's pretty serious, like the heart medication stuff in general. Like, I don't have a problem answering a question that you're not. That's like a little bit, you know, out of your pay grade. Mm -hmm. But once he starts the heart stuff, I think it's bad. If it's like, what's the best medicine for a cold? I feel like it's reasonable to answer that. Yeah. When you start talking about mixing medications, like most doctors don't even know that stuff. Like that's really a pharmacy specific question. Yeah, this is kind of bad on Jerry. Mr. Pitt wants to know, I take heart medication. Would you, what would you recommend for a runny nose? Jerry says, take an antihistamine. And then he wants an appetite suppressant, which is something that's going to like sort of like get his heart uh, racing. Uh, I think probably what Jerry told him about the heart medication and the antihistamine is probably okay. I think probably the bigger problem is the appetite suppressant and the heart medication. That seems like the more dangerous cocktail. Yeah, oh yeah, definitely. That's, you know, I mean, ultimately, Jerry is in the wrong here. And you could make a pretty strong case that between what he's doing and what Elaine's doing, not the finest hour for the Seinfeld gang. <laughs> for the TV show or for the core four? No, for no, for the core four. I do think that um, that. Uh, but can I can I tell you a core four fact? Yes. So you know how I have um, I have two much younger sisters. Yes. And then I have a sister who's like my age. Mm-hmm. And obviously my two younger sisters are in high school. They still live at home. Uh, unbeknownst to me, my parents and my little sisters call themselves the core four. Mm. So I'm not even in the core four of my own family. You're out of the core four. I, and I mean, I, I have th- a wife and three kids. I'm probably not even in the, the core four of my current family. Mm. So I'm in no core. So if anyone wants a core like me in a core four, I'm there. Are you like the Newman of the Seinfeld core four? In my, in my parents, I'm not even the Newman. I'm like Mr. Pitt. Yeah. Wow. You're only in six <laughs> trying episodes. to kill me off. In my family, I'm like the Newman. I'm like the fifth wheel. Yeah. What about in the Yankee core four? Who are you? Well, what does that mean? Like, are you like oh, who, Scott who, 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 my equivalent? Yeah. Oh, Shane Spencer. I had like a couple good weeks and then you never heard from me again. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, great, great September. What of ninety nine? Uh, yeah, that's that's run? basically my uh, my thing. I have yeah. one good month. one good month. All right. 
So then we find out, so Kramer and Jerry are in the Diplomats Club, and Jerry is hanging out in the Diplomats Club because that he is, like, what, what is with the, the, the agent that booked him got the Diplomats Club? How, how did Jerry come about getting in the Diplomat Club? Yeah, she booked him in the Diplomat Club. I, I have no idea why Kramer's allowed in. I guess they didn't check his ticket. He's just with Jerry, and you get to bring a guest. Yeah. Well, apparently... That he's Jerry describes this is the woman who's booking me on these college tours. She thinks I'm a big celebrity that has to be pampered. So is he speaking at or doing comedy at Ithaca University? See, they want you to say that, but it's pretty clearly a comedy club, and the pilot's not going to to Ithaca College or <laughs> Cornell or wherever to to the show. Yeah. So I think it's just a sloppy job by the writers. He says the college tours, but then he's doing this one off set. Unless this is separate from the college set. Yeah. You know, we see, you know, we do see uh, uh, Deborah Jo Rupp, the mom, you know, most famously, right, the mom from that 70s show. We -hmm. see her, uh, you know, booking Jerry uh, one more time in a later episode where she books him into uh, like a, you know, like a, uh, you know, a school sort of uh, assembly scenario. What do you think about the move flying into Ithaca? You think that Jerry should have just been driving? Was he asking for trouble anyway here? What, what is it? Ithaca's far, though. What is it, like five and a half hours? No, I don't think it's quite that it's not far. that far. Like, Ithaca's not so close to the city. Yeah. Um, they'll, like, the place might pay for his flight. I don't know, like, how big Jerry is. Mm-hmm. You know, and how good of a how good of a uh, a manager Katie is. I, I'm guessing not great. Yeah, no, it's a little further off uh, than I would have thought. And I guess I don't know uh, what it depends in terms. It's really of- far upstate. Yeah, I don't know if Jerry got his car fixed from uh, last week's episode. So I guess if I go from Queens, New York, to Ithaca, New York, let's see what the what do you say? Like three and a half hours? No, four. No, four thirty. So yeah, that's a, that's a. That's a hike, hour and 15 minute flight. Although I would say in this pre 9-11 world, sure, this makes sense. But with the security check in, you got to get to the airport two hours earlier, not saving a ton of time by flying. Uh, I, you, I mean, you kind of are for nine hours is especially like he probably has TSA pre-check, Jerry. Nine hours is a lot. Plus, you're doing the driving. It's like maybe if Kramer goes on the road with him and he could relax and maybe take a nap. That's one thing. But him doing the driving like. On the way to being funny, I feel like that's complicated. Uh, even crazier is he's doing this one show that looks like a small show. Why is his, Why is he wasting money flying his manager and then like who's also like on his dime? I'm sure like getting the diplomat club, getting you know a, a plane ticket next to him doesn't make any sense. I mean, why is she flying Ithaca? I think that when you say it's on his dime, that maybe it's coming out of his cut. Like it doesn't seem like. Yeah, but who like? But most comedians don't fly with their manager to their to their gigs. See, I think that there we we should assume that this is at the college. That this woman works for a company that books comedians at colleges. She's there to sort of make sure Jerry gets there. Okay, so. Maybe she's I don't think the head they do of the that, though. I think you're like on your own. Come here and, you know, we'll meet you there. I, mm-hmm. I don't know if they do. That. And plus, like, she is his manager in a later episode. So I don't know if she just like works with them and not straight up with him. It doesn't make a lot of sense. Uh, we're in agreement on that. OK, so <laughs> she comes over and she's telling Jerry her name is Katie and she's going through everything and like, oh, do you know they have decaf here? Are they going to have coffee on the plane? And uh, we just sort of set up that she's annoying. Yeah, she is really annoying. She does a good job. That. <laughs> she does a good job. All right. So Mr. Pitt is now resting after he had a bit of an episode after uh, the doctors came in. And it turns out that his medication did not agree with him. And uh, we are introduced to this other woman 
who is this? Mr. Pitt's daughter? No, this is the lawyer. His lawyer. Okay. And so we begin this plot in which she is suspicious that Elaine is trying to kill Mr. Pitt. Yes, she is immediately suspicious, and everything that happens afterwards is confirmation bias that she's correct. Right. Uh, To me, I I don't love a storyline based around a misunderstanding, and that, you know, now Elaine is going to continually do things that she is not realizing are only confirming this woman's suspicion about her. Is that because, like, this is a sitcom thing where he could easily say, like, I meant to, you know, I was just putting the pillow behind his head, or... You know, there's easy ways for her to talk herself out of it, but she's not doing it. I, I just feel like that if unless it's going to be like the funniest thing in the world, I feel like that you should probably try to have the comedy come out of character as opposed to misunderstanding. And just the idea that Elaine is trying to murder Mr. Pitt, it just seems a little far fetched overall as a story. Interesting. What uh, are you uh, more bullish on the elaine no i think it can work do i think it works here not spectacularly but i think it's you know i don't think it's it's like a doomed scenario like a you know like a sort of a a style of comedy but i hear what you're saying i feel like it's not it's not ideal to sort of just work on it's it's very like i love lucy ish like yeah i keep walking in and missing you and then you walk you walk through the other exit and miss me i was gonna say it's a little threes company i never saw that but i assume it's 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 like a modern day uh i love lucy i hear (laughs) okay you know what else is really good also duck soup have you seen that oh don't get me started (laughs) you haven't seen duck soup have you ever seen duck soup (laughs) i hear it's on youtube i haven't even i don't even i know it's not in color Rob is referring to uh, I made a I made a bet with my with my childhood friend Andrew in I think I, his family took us skiing for like took us. some vaca- vacation in ninth grade and I wanted him to watch Braveheart and I was like shocked he'd never seen Braveheart mm-hmm. so I said okay but he's like all right fine but then you have to watch a movie that I say but so we watched Braveheart but then like he said Duck Soup but we couldn't just watch Duck Soup they didn't have it in like Atatash, New Hampshire or wherever we were skiing. So he's like, all right, when you go home, watch Duck Soup. And like, I forgot about it. And he's probably reminded me a couple of times, you know, we went to uh, elementary school, high school and college together. I'm sure at a certain point he's reminded me, but um, I forgot about it for like decades. And uh, now he's uh, now he's back on my case. He wants me to watch Duck Soup. Back which, with a vengeance. Yeah. I feel like then he's got nothing. Though. If I watch it, then that's it. <laughs> I mean, I feel like you could watch it on like one and a half speed on YouTube. Ooh, I didn't think about that. I'm watching it on an eight speed on YouTube tonight. Yeah. He's not going to test me on it, is he? No, there's no test. I don't think he's listening. You could have crib notes. Sure. It's not like a move. Right. So we see Jerry on the plane with Katie, and she's like, did you go to the bathroom? Do you have to go to the bathroom? Because, you know, once the, they get the plane up in the air, it's very hard to go. And it says, fine, fine, uh, I'll, go, I'll go to the bathroom. All right. So let's go back to the Diplomats Club. We see Kramer. He's hanging out there all day. And we see a man who looks like a, a young Jim Ross approach Kramer. Ooh, I, I didn't think of that. Now I have to... Would Jim Ross be offended by the Earl Heffler uh, comparison? Mm, probably. Anybody is offended by any. I wouldn't make it to his face. Um, no, I, I'm looking at it and I really like it. I, I like the JR comparison. Yeah. All right. So <laughs> Kramer ends up getting into conversation about this. And the guy's talking about the airline. They're morons. They don't know anything. And they start making a bet about the planes, which plane is coming in faster and uh, so let's keep things interesting. They make a $200 bet about uh, planes that are coming in. The flight to Pittsburgh takes off before the flight to Houston. Yeah, Kramer's issue isn't like the making bet 
it's it's making bets that are way beyond his means. Mm-hmm. Like a two hundred dollar bet on a random occurrence in uh, you know nineteen ninety five. It's a lot. It's a lot of uh, it's a lot of dough for it's Kramer. Lot, yeah, All right. this is the exact type of thing that I like to bet on. Though, mm-hmm. I, like <laughs> to me, the Kramer storyline is like a biblical truth because I've like done things like this. Yeah, so. We see George out on the street also, and uh, he meets a, another gentleman, uh, a African-American man who seems like a very nice guy. And uh, George is like trying almost almost like trying to pick him up. He's basically one step away from, you know, I've never seen Star Wars. Uh, is one step away from that? Yeah, I think so. He's like, uh, hey, hey, I'm George. How are you doing? Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't mean that. Yeah, that's uh, that's that's George's move. And we know he doesn't really have. One. Yeah. And the guy's like, all right, I'm out of here. <laughs> he takes off. All right. So we now we go back to the diplomat club and Kramer and the cowboy. They're just betting and Kramer is just losing his shirt. Uh, yeah, Kramer. We see Kramer losing a lot. Um, I don't know if the other guy has a strategy maybe it's to pick the the flight that's due a half hour before the other one <laughs> yeah all right so you really for this bet to be even the flights need to be due in at the exact same minute well uh yeah or that they're taking off and i think that she's sort of like giving odds on stuff where i think it's like going to be a question of uh, they, like they've got like the departure times and then they're trying to d- determine when they actually yeah, but then the bets don't pay off for three hours i feel like when they're in the air that's when they're making the bets I, I I agree. I hear what you're saying, but I think that from what we hear, it seems like that they're talking about departures and when when are they taking off? Because no. even the flight from Ithaca, that their bet is about when is it going to take off, and then it's sort of null and void when they find out. Oh, your friend made the flight delayed. It's like yeah, what I would it matter if the flight was already in the air? Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Okay, so because I think they would update the delay time. I think it's sort of like they have a like a posting. <laughs> what time the flight was supposed to be and then what time it's actually going to take off. All right. So then we have Elaine with Mr. Pitt. She goes to get him a pillow and she comes back and then the woman walks in and thinks that Elaine is trying to smother Mr. Pitt. Although if Elaine is not about to smother Mr. Pitt, she is carrying the pillow extremely unusually. Like does she not want to wake her up? I don't understand what the plan was. What? Wake, it- wake Pitt up. I mean, does it like, why is she tiptoeing? I don't know. I'm not sure exactly and uh, he says, uh, why don't you get a pillow? Okay, well, fine. So she's like walking over there with just holding the pillow in a really weird way, like in a way that you would never hold the pillow if you weren't going to smother somebody. Right. <laughs> so, all right. And then Elaine sort of gets busted on that. All right. So Jerry gets some advice from Katie backstage before his show. It's just so you know, I want you to freak out that here's the pilot is in the audience tonight. And Jerry's like, why? Why do I care? Like, I just don't want you to freak out when you see him. Okay, okay, fine. Yeah, Jerry, his first joke is about driving up to Ithaca, and he sees the pilot, and the pilot is seemingly annoyed. Well, I don't, is the pilot annoyed, or is he just freaked out by the pilot being there? I see like the pilot looks like uh, he has like a face like he smelled something rotten, I think. He's like, hmm, like this guy didn't, didn't drive up here. This guy is full of it. So this pilot's going straight from the comedy club to the flight to fly Jerry home? Is that what's happening? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's possibly the what's timeline. Going on. The timeline of this episode is very confusing. Mm, yeah, uh, it is very confusing, but that it seems as though the pilot just had nothing to do for, you know, an hour or whatever and said, oh, let me go take in the comedy show. You know, honestly, that the publicist probably like twisted his arm and was like, oh, you have to come see Jerry Seinfeld. He's performing at Ithaca College. I'll copy. I'll copy you. What are you doing this afternoon? You know, it's a 100% Katie's fault. Yeah, but how did she know who the pilot was? How did she know who the pilot was? I mean, she was on the plane. 
They stand there when you get off. He was the pilot for both flights. He was the pilot on the way there and back. Yeah, I mean, I think that these planes, a lot of times, where it's like the same guy flies the plane like to and from, especially if it's like, you know, the plane probably makes like one trip, the you know, the whole day. Like, go to Ithaca, come back. Yeah, I wonder also, like, if you're a pilot and you do the very short flight, the like, one-hour flight, mm-hmm. I would think you just go straight back, but I don't know the pilot rules. I don't know if after a flight you need a certain amount of time, even if it's a short flight. Yeah. I mean, it's probably all one work day for him. I think he, and then he goes home back to his house at the end of the day. Do we have a pilot correspondent? Yeah, we need one. And I, I feel like they have a good union, the pilots. Mm, I, I feel so. like I don't know how many like hours a day they need to fly. Yeah. All right. So after the comedy show, we see Jerry very upset. Katie says, oh, it didn't go well. And Jerry says, no, you freaked me out. And so Katie is going to go chew out the pilot. Uh, Jerry doesn't really try to stop her. I mean, he implies he says like that would be a bad thing to do, but I guess he doesn't like physically stop her. He mm-hmm. doesn't say like, don't do that. You're right. Yeah. Well, she says, uh, don't worry, Jerry. <laughs> He's all he says is it doesn't matter now. She says, I'm on top of this. He says, yeah, you're on top of it and I'm on the bottom. So he really does not say like, no, 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 leave the pilot alone. He doesn't really. Yeah, that's what he should say. And also they're just there together. It's not like, uh, you can't like control her. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, we find out Kramer in the Diplomat Club is now down $3,200. Yeah, and that's like way too much. That's, that's a lot of bets. And it's one of these sitcom things. Did he lose like every, did they keep double or nothing from 2 to 4 to 8 to 16 to 32? And he's just lost five bets? That's pretty bad, Kramer. Yeah. That's bad luck. That's five coin tosses. You, you, unless Earl Heffler was, was sort of, uh, you know, he was in on it the same way he thinks Jerry's in on at the end. Mm-hmm. And he's pulling one over on Kramer somehow. So... Kramer calls up Newman. And so he's got to get some money here. He's got to get some cash on the table if we're going to bet anymore. So Kramer calls up Newman and says, bring in the bag. Bring the bag in. And we don't know what the bag is yet. We don't know what the bag is. And it is weird that this is where Kramer turns to. Uh, I need $3,200. Bring in your David Berkowitz, uh, Son of Sam memorabilia. Yeah, and Newman must like really feel bad about the Kramer's mom thing. I feel like this is his getting him back. Mm, that's a good theory. Yeah, I, I think that because like Newman is such an evil person. Like, why would why would he agree to do this? Except like he's still he thinks like, OK, now we're even. But like Kramer wants to kill me at this point still. Yeah. And so we end up now with we see Jerry on the flight back from Ithaca and he just wants to get back to see this supermodel that he's supposed to meet in the diplomat club. And the pilot makes an announcement or that they're going to kick Jerry off the plane. It's actually the stewardess. Yeah, can't can't Jerry just throw Katie under the bus and say like I really told her not to like don't worry I'm going to fire her when we get off the plane. Mm, I feel like they're both on the outs at this point. And I think that maybe Jerry can't fire her in front of in front of her like I think that that's probably, you know, he needs this is his job. So It'd be a bad move to sort of, but he does kind of lay into her in this episode. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I mean, but uh, I, I didn't know the. I, again, the pilots have a great union, so I guess they could just kick anyone off the plane that they want. <sighs> yeah, I think that the pilot really can make that call, especially in the post nine eleven environment. I think that the pilot is certainly has that authority. In nineteen ninety five, did they? I don't know. I think you probably had a little more wiggle room to debate it, but I think if the pilot says you have to go, I think you have to go. Well, ninety five, like speaking of you, like ninety five was right after the pilot strike, after the pilot World Series was canceled. So mm. they may have just gotten their, you know, all their rights yeah. then. And so we see Jerry and Katie in the airport, and the flight is going to be at eight. Jerry's happy because okay, that'll give him time to get back down to the Diplomats Club, and now it's at eight a.m. 
And so he's very upset about this. And Katie is going to get a car. She wants to know what kind of car. He says, stop bothering me with all these decisions. Just get a car so we can get out of here. Yeah. I mean, like most people, right? This is the most annoying type of person to have as an employee, right? Mm-hmm. Someone just comes to you with every question. Yeah. All right. So Jerry calls in. He needs a favor. Again, 1995, pre-cell phone world. If you were going to meet somebody, you needed to call one of your friends to go and meet them and tell them that you're running late. Right. So he calls George. <laughs> Can we just process that for a minute here of what <laughs> you and I are going to meet somewhere? <laughs> I can't make it. I need to call one of my other friends, which now I'm already screwed, to go drive somewhere and meet you and tell you I'm running late. Yes. Although I do think that like with me, that could happen. Mm-hmm. because I don't answer my phone. My, I actually realized, you know, this is a, a weird thing from working, about working from home. My phone this week was off for 48 hours. And I didn't even notice. Yeah. And you're not like checking scores or anything like that on it? No, because I have like, I, I have like, I'm on my, my desktop all day. So I don't really use my phone for internet or else I'd notice right away. You don't have any apps that you use like the Snapchat or uh, Instagram? No, I don't have it. Okay. All right. Add it to the list, Falconer. <laughs> He was not on I, apps. My sister downloaded Snapchat, but I couldn't figure it out. <laughs> I tried to follow you on Snapchat and, and nothing. I, I need someone. And like, you just gave like, up? I tried for like an hour. It was really <laughs> difficult. All right. So then uh, we see that George is on the phone with Jerry. And uh, basically, Jerry wants him to go meet this woman. But George wants to talk about the exterminator. What was the name of the exterminator? Oh, uh, that guy. What company did he work for? And so George is asked, uh, why, did you need an exterminator? No. And Jerry says, okay, oh, well, don't tell me. Is it because he's black? And George just gets off the phone. Yeah, Carl the Exterminator. He's got a lot of, like, really random throwbacks in this episode. Yeah, which it's, that's my favorite part about this episode. Oh, totally. I think in, they really started doing a much better job in season six, and I really do like just the whole idea of, uh, you know, bringing all these people back. Yeah. So we go to Elaine. She is reading a book. What book is Elaine reading? It's like Fatal something. Yeah, Fatal Vision. Uh, it, it's weird because it looks like it has a woman's picture on the back, but I've read Fatal Vision by Joe McGinnis. I think he just passed. Joe McGinnis, uh, he's most famous for, he like bought the house next to Sarah Palin to write a book about her. Whoa. Uh, and, you know, he moved to Alaska, but actually this is a great book recommendation. Um, Joe McGinnis wrote my favorite soccer book of all time, uh, which is called The Miracle of Castle de Sangro, which is a great book. I highly recommend it. Great soccer book. Great soccer book. Great book altogether. You mm-hmm. like it even if you don't like soccer. Um, but anyway, uh, yeah, so she's reading Fatal Vision, which I don't think the, even though the, it's about a, a, like a, a very infamous murder that's really never been totally solved, I don't think. Um, I think it's more just the idea of like the, the title that she's reading this Fatal Vision. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So does this book have anything to do with what is going on with Mr. Pitt? That's what I'm saying. It's it's about like uh, the guy. It's like army people. And and this army guy's like he goes out and his wife and his kids get killed. So there is like murder stuff, but it's not like. There's no like will or direct. Uh, it's just you know, the title parallel. is on the nose in terms of. I think of... the title's on the nose, and maybe just it's a book about murder. Okay. All right. So Elaine is looking at the book, and then she gets a phone call, and it's Jerry. And Jerry is saying that he is at the airport. He's freaked out. And Elaine is repeating, like, oh, you seem like you're really freaked out as the lawyer is watching. And so you have that going on. But Jerry is explaining. So I have this model. Okay, that I'm trying to meet Bridget 
if I stand her up, I'll never get another date with her. She'll freak out. So, I mean, you'd think that she would kind of understand. This is a very, it's not like he had something else to do. Like, I mean, he's like his flight guy. They're meeting in an airport. You would think that she would kind of understand. It's a little strange, right? It's a little strange, but whatever. Uh, so that this is, woman is uh, clearly a, you know, um, maybe this woman is sort of, uh, maybe she feels like that she's already out of Jerry's league and she's sort of like, uh, like lowering her standards, dating Jerry. And maybe she's like, okay, that's the last straw. I can't deal with this. Yeah. I mean, again, yeah, this is like something Jerry's very nervous about. So it's reasonable for him to, you know, this isn't just another one of his weekly dates. But what kind of move is this? Like, let's say hypothetically you are dating this person and you can't make it, and another woman shows up <laughs> and says, oh, yeah, Keeve is just running late, that he will be here later. He called me and told me to just tell you that he'll be here later. So just don't worry. Like To me, it shows, it shows that the person cares enough to send someone not just to blow you up. Another woman? I mean, I can't imagine that this is, this is not incredibly shady. I mean, uh, first off, let alone if I had one date, uh, and then I had, I mean, if I, when I was dating my wife, if there was a time I was supposed to meet her somewhere and then I could not make that, uh, rendezvous. And then another woman showed up yeah. and yeah, said, Hey, not be happy. Rob's running late. Showed up. Yeah. It's like, who are you? Why does, how does that, how does he know you? Who are you? Why are you telling me this? Yeah, I agree. I, I don't think it would go well for you. I don't think it would go well for me. Yeah. Um, I do think. I think that uh, it, it back then it just showed like effort. Like I'm not ghosting you. I'm not like just you know blowing you up forever. Um, you know I'm sending someone, and it's also like, oh look at me. I have friends. I'm normal. Mm. I have friends who like do a huge favor for me. Okay, I feel like that's that's actually like an underrated thing. Okay, so Newman shows up at the airport, and he's got the he's got the bag, but we don't know exactly what it is. And so he puts it out on the table. Here's the collateral. It's a mail bag. And it's the mailbag of David Berkowitz, the son of Sam, the worst mass murderer the post office ever produced. And Newman got this because he took over David Berkowitz's mail route, which is very funny. Yeah, that is that is like an amazing like most shows would make up a murder, but they go for a real one. Mm-hmm, yeah. And it turns out <laughs> like Newman, it's always like when he meets new people is so personable and they asked him. <laughs> about the route and he says oh there were a lot of dogs on that route and uh the, the guy wants to know uh, did they talk to you and they said uh hey uh just uh, keep off the snacks yeah he is really he in like very small doses we've established he can be kind of charming people love newman when they first meet him yes you want <laughs> you want a very little bit of newman and i think that really is what antagonizes jerry so much that he sees these people just meet newman and love him and they don't know how detestable he is totally all right so we get the bets going again it's a double or nothing uh ithaca versus boston it's like the ncaa tournament akiva why is this like the ncaa double uh, tournament it's like cities and playing each other sort of like random matchups it, it, i'm not sure what you think the ncaa tournament is <laughs> i mean i know there's, what it is there's cities that play each other <laughs> i mean well Ithaca's a college uh you know there's lots yeah, of but colleges. they're not in the tournament they're like division uh all right, well, you're the only being, person who went to Ithaca is Mike uh, Spoonman Mitchell. Nobody important. You're Mitchell. being too literal right now. Okay, it's just what like, about Cornell? How about Cornell? Fine, fine. Versus Boston College. <laughs> fine. It it, it it was just it was just a metaphor. You t- you took it too far. Be too literal. Okay, listen, you know I don't mess around with sports. I, I got, know. We gotta get it right. <laughs> no. It's not like Seinfeld. We have to know what we're talking about here. <laughs> All right, so we go back to uh, double or nothing. Okay, so Jerry's in the car. 
and uh, he's sleeping. He wakes up. Katie is driving. And he wants to, are we on the road? And she says, no, uh, we lost the road 30 minutes ago. Where we're going, we don't need roads. Katie's like Homer Simpson level stupid. <laughs> She's like so dumb that it's like a miracle that she could function. Mm-hmm. And so they're starting to argue. And then uh, they're like, hey, look out. And it looks like they like hit a tree. We're going to find out later. They like crash into a swimming pool. Yeah. Which seems is really crazy. Yeah. Hard to do for Katie. Very hard. Impressive. To do. Okay. All right. So we have the exterminator, Carl. He's at Yankee Stadium and he was asked not to bring his equipment and wear his uniform. And so that George is looking for uh, Mr. Morgan. He is at dinner and uh, he's not in the building. Okay. So uh, George is talking with Carl. And uh, he's like, you don't remember me, Carl, the, from Jerry Seinfeld's apartment? Uh, and Carl describes Jerry as, uh, oh, yeah, the funny white guy, right? And George says, oh, you know, it's so weird. I don't even think of him in that way. I don't, I don't see in terms of color. Uh, yeah. And first of all, like, is, is George paying Carl for this visit? I think he's paying him with a free dinner. Yeah, but like Carl has a job and he's just being sent out on a job and he's coming back with nothing. Like, do they... The exterminators make like free house calls to, you know, check up on what's going on. Well, do you get a free consultation? I think that's I really think what so. it comes to. I don't in. think exterminators give you the free consultation. So, because I think they have everything there, unless they need to like tent your house. Like, he, most things he could do, he could, he's got in the van probably, right? Yeah, but it's just like with any sort of thing, like you call somebody, I mean, maybe they have this up front where it's like, uh, if your refrigerator breaks, and you have the the technician come out and then tells you gives you a quote oh that'll be six hundred dollars I don't know do you pay them I I think that maybe you might have to yeah pay them. you pay him right now as he fix it right now I hear what you're saying but um, I don't know I don't think it's a good business model if he's just like showing up and hanging out and going to dinner with people for no money I think some people might give you a free consultation other people might say like okay it's fifty dollars if I come out there and then if we do anything it's on top of that yeah I get that probably makes sense but still I feel like he's sort of a come with guy. Mm-hmm. Call the exterminator for no reason. Yeah, but then in terms of dinner, it's like, hey, free dinner. So he's getting he is getting some value out of this trip. Sure, and clearly he's got nothing going at home <laughs> that he could just hang out with his stranger. Yeah, he does not seem like there is a Mrs. Carl in the picture, or if there is, she is not looking for him. A Mrs. Leonard. Mrs. Leonard. <laughs> well, wrong person. Okay, so Mr. Pitt is home and he is watching the news and. He is seeing about a news story about how a lost Manhattanite drove through a residential backyard and wound up in a swimming pool near Ithaca, New York. Now, does Mr. Pitt have a Ithaca, New York news feed? Yeah. Is this interesting enough, like strange but true wise, that it would make like the local NBC news? Right. I could I don't see so. it if, you know, like I went to college in Oswego and you'd have like the local Syracuse news stations. And maybe if this happened right. like in Ithaca and where, where where it took place then Ithaca news I'm not sure if there's like a local maybe some of our listeners can tell if there's a local like Ithaca CBS uh, NBC I'm sure there is affiliates. it's a big enough city probably yeah so perhaps but I can't imagine is WNBC4 covering this story and, and going live to the scene I mean maybe because it's like a famous comedian is that possible it's like look who it is it's Jerry Seinfeld and they had the microwave truck there I mean it looks like they cut to it live Keith yeah that's a good point that's mm-hmm. a good point I, they're right maybe he's just so rich that he's got every channel 
<laughs> perhaps and he just like uh, combs through the local Ithaca news yes he's just like eh, let's see what's going on Poughkeepsie we got Long Island we got uh, you know upstate Buffalo <laughs> uh, okay let's settle on Ithaca I want to watch the Ithaca I really like the uh, weather girl for the Ithaca newscast yeah <laughs> so Mr. Pitt says hey that's the man who gave me the pills in the drugstore he's no pharmacist and the woman makes the connection oh Seinfeld I know that name he called here earlier for Elaine Aha. Uh-huh. Yeah, a lot of a lot of, you know, they're putting a lot of pieces of the puzzle together here. Yeah, they're really putting it all together. All right. So, we see George uh, in the restaurant with Mr. Morgan again eating by himself. Now, earlier in season 6, uh when it was in I believe in the pledge drive when George started eating uh Snickers bars during a meeting, we saw Mr. Morgan uh also eating by himself on like an outdoor cafe correct in an earlier yes. episode yes so here he is again in another dinner by himself yeah i think they just don't want to pay like an actress to come be his wife and have to like pay her a thousand bucks for the day they're being cheap yep would have been a funny callback if morgan would have been eating some sort of like finger food with a knife and fork here in the restaurant but totally maybe, I, I feel like they just didn't remember it it, it would have been a fun callback yeah uh, but that being said, okay, so George finds uh, Morgan at the restaurant and says uh, he introduces him like, oh, hey, how are you, Mr. Morgan? Here's my friend Carl, uh, who introduces himself as the exterminator. And George says, oh, that was his uh, nickname in high school. He's the linebacker. Uh, we had some crazy times. <laughs> that is a great nickname, by the way, the exterminator. Yeah, it really is. Okay, so... We go back to the Diplomats Club. Kramer is smoking in the Diplomats Club. Uh, Keeve, in your time at the Diplomats Club, uh, was smoking allowed? No, not anymore. Please. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So they're really smoking cigars. And it turns out that Kramer has made a lot of his money back. So uh, good uh, he's, for Kramer. He's up money at this point. He's up. And so then uh, Newman is talking about how that him and uh, David Berkowitz also went on double dates. And so... Earl gives him traveler's checks. Okay, gives him like a handful of traveler's checks for all the money that he is up. So here comes Elaine, and she's telling Kramer about what happened. Oh, that Jerry, he ended up getting delayed. He got kicked off the flight in Ithaca, and that that's why that flight got delayed. And so that Earl ends up hearing that, and he gets mad that the friend caused the delay and feels like this is a scam. Nobody hustles Earl Haffler, and he rips up the traveler's checks. Now, Keith, how do traveler's checks work? Oh, boy. I hope, I hope you know. I don't even know what they are anymore. Is it like a personal check? Is it the same sort of idea where... I truly don't remember. I, I feel like I once knew this, but like I, I have no idea now. So, because it's not like he's like ripping up his own money. It's not the same as ripping up cash, right? No. Okay. Uh, traveler's checks, according to Google, are an alternative to checks with the promise of a refund if they're lost or stolen. It may seem like a thing that went by the wayside into the plastic card rush of the 1990s, but believe it or not, traveler's checks are still out there today. The only thing I know about traveler's checks is it's a QU, not a CK. Mm, yeah. So, I mean, I just feel like that. Who's accepting traveler's checks? Like an embassy? Uh, we don't accept traveler's yeah. checks. If a listener is like, you guys are so great, I feel like I want to make it up to you. I'm going to send you guys money in the form of traveler's checks. I'm going to be like, no, keep it. Keep it. I don't know what to do with this. Yeah. I think he, I guess you could take it to the bank, but I, I don't know. It's very confusing. I've never had one or used one. you take it to the bank and then you send me the money? 
Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so it's, you take, let's say you're like, I'm going to spend $1,000 on my vacation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I put the $1,000 in traveler's checks, and then I'm sort of like paying with that money. And already. if you rip them up, that's fine. You could just say, I mean, it might be fun just to have them and just like, yeah, uh, if you like, don't send them out, burn them. Like that's right. They'll know that the money didn't go to someone else. Mm-hmm. Sure. All right. So we go back to Elaine. She's now back from the Diplomats Club. Again, I don't know if she completed her mission. I mean, we don't see Elaine with Bridget at any point. No, we don't know. She was sent there to meet this woman. Uh, we did not see her meet the woman, and now she's back with Mr. Pitt. And now um, that she is confronted about the fact that uh, Jerry Seinfeld uh, tried to poison him, and uh, Elaine, you're fired. Goodbye. And then we have this montage here. <laughs> uh what's the what's the song on this montage akiva i don't I know, know but it's not great it's yeah. not the one i would have picked uh no i believe it's the song i believe it's uh paul anka uh the time of our life the time of your life yeah no it's like a prelude to a time of your life in about 70 episodes <laughs> yeah so i think that this is sort of like a uh traditional sort of like a wedding like uh like uh father dance with daughter or mother dance with the son at the wedding type song. Right. Okay. And we see a montage of literally every single scene Mr. Pitt has ever been in. Yes. Yeah. We see all the highlights and the little lights, mostly the nothing lights of, mm-hmm. of the Pitt year. But Akiva, I just don't understand. Elaine looks sad. I know that she was starting the episode. Great news. I'm quitting working for Mr. Pitt. And she was added to his will in this episode. But then by the end of the episode, she's fired. Is she sad that she's not in Mr. Pitt's will anymore? Is that what she's upset about? I think that's what it is. I think that I think it's like she maybe grew a little bit more attached to him when she realized, like, oh, he really cares about me. He puts me in the will. But it's mostly a will thing. Mm-hmm. Okay. And really, through no fault of Elaine, she ends up getting fired from this job. No. I mean... She probably should have gone, should have said, like, hey, no, I'll go to the pharmacy. You don't have to go, Mr. Pitt. Mm-hmm. But, no, this was a demanding job. She di- actually did an okay uh, job working for him. Um, and she wasn't actually trying to kill him, so I-, I agree. Okay. The lawyer was just looking out for herself. What's next on the Elaine job docket? Well, we're, 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 we've got Jay Peterman, and we're, Peterman. And we're set. Okay. All right. That's there it. we go. All right. So then we go to Bridget meeting up with Jerry. This is really bizarre. Keith. all right so jerry sees bridget she's like jerry what happened so elaine never you know debriefed her on this he just gets to the diplomat club says i'm so sorry i got stuck out of town we missed our time together so well my plane doesn't leave for half an hour you would think that they'd be boarding pretty soon but the plane does not leave for half an hour so they now like run off to a different part of the diplomat club and what is happening here, Keith? Yeah, it's getting uh, hot and heavy, like they said in the 90s. It's getting hot and heavy, and it's almost like we're going to have like some sort of uh, tryst right here in the Diplomat Club. Yes. Yeah, I, it's, uh, they're, they're, not, you know, they're not going to some bathroom or something in the Diplomat Club. They're, it's right out in the open. Yeah, it's just like, like they're about to engage in an act here, and then the pilot from the Ithaca plane just uh rolls up and then uh, is uh looking out the window and sees jerry and jerry freaks out that's the pilot again freaks out when he sees the pilot now hold on as if you could see a pilot from a window in an airport right as if the plane gets close enough you could just like the pilot could see you and you could see him keeve what yeah. 
plane of the space-time continuum did Jerry travel upon to be on a plane in well, he didn't tra- he, pro- he took a car, Jerry. Okay, well, hold on. Hear me out. He was on a plane in Ithaca. He is kicked off said plane, causing a one-hour delay for a flight. He then is going to wait around for a long time, get a car, <laughs> rent a car, which... <laughs> If you've done that, no, it takes longer than an entire flight usually. It takes forever. Then get in the car, get lost, crash the car into a swimming into a pool. Swimming pool. <laughs> Do an interview on television. Do an interview on television. Then somehow get from Ithaca to JFK and still beat the plane <laughs> that he was on in the first place to the airport. It's crazy. It's the, the time makes us... Unless... Unless the pilot like left that flight because he was just got so worked up with the Jerry thing, or maybe like at a certain point he couldn't fly anymore, like he's been flying for too many hours in a row. Mm-hmm. So now like he's off that flight, takes a nap, and then like five hours later he flies the next flight. Yeah, has he made it another trip back and forth to Ithaca in that time? That, it's possible. It's possible he's gone back forth, back forth. But yeah. did they run out of time for the six-hour window that Bridget was going to be at the Diplomats Club? Oh yeah, see it. it I, this is such a flaw. This really ruins. All the right, add it to the list. We're going to ask Jerry about this. <laughs> this How did really this day insane. take place? What day of the week was it? Was it a Saturday? Is that yeah, why? And, he if, did- and if you're out there and you have a better idea of of sort of the synopsis of the entire day, let us know. Also, Jerry has a full five o'clock shadow by the time he returns. So there was also enough time for Jerry to grow the beginnings <laughs> of a beard, more of a beard than he has at any other point in the series. But truly remarkable start. circumstance. Here. Yeah. Just the, quite the day. He basically has like the Hollywood Hogan beard by the time he shows back up at the airport at the end of the episode. Oh, wow. Quite a drop in quite a reference. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And then we finally get to see uh, Mr. Morgan in the restaurant with George. And so, you know, uh, he's talking about with Carl and how they eat here all the time. And Carl says, oh, yeah, he comes here all the time. You should see the rat droppings that they have here. Mr. Morgan says, you really are the exterminator. George spits out his food. And so George just gets this check. And you have this very funny moment when the waiter comes by and says, yeah, Sugar Ray Leonard can eat here anytime he wants. (laughs) Yeah, and it, like what a what an amazing job by Morgan putting like not even two and two like a million and a million together to figure out like okay so he's he's an exterminator this doesn't mean like he's gonna figure out off the top of his head oh George is using this guy to make me think that he has a black friend like I'm not sure how you think that Morgan can make that assumption see you don't think that George was probably in the meantime trying to say to Mr. Morgan like uh, Mr. Morgan how could you say that I, I've got so many if you're bringing an, bringing an example from something that happened off screen I, I, I can't argue with you mm-hmm. <laughs> I just it's feel like that George is protesting so much you have to imagine like because how does yeah, but that what if even if he's doing that why can't this be someone he sort of knows like he is an exterminator Mm, because like, why do you have to be lying according to Morgan I think the key to this goes back to that initial moment that they have the conversation with the photo because we sort of like cut away from that right after Morgan ends up saying that oh what do you think we all look alike after that and I, you have to imagine that George and him are into that for at least another 30 minutes you know I don't yeah. think that he just storms away and George just never mentions it again 
That makes sense. Yeah. So I think that they probably were like George is like, you know, uh, although George doesn't say until later, I just need to show him, you know, I have so many black friends, but I think right. that George probably was really, really trying to make this case to him. Okay. All right. So more. Okay. So it's reasonable. So that's the most realistic part of the whole episode. <laughs> it's up there. All right. So let's just talk about anything else that would be different from 95 to the present day. Oh, everything. Everything. The whole thing. Yeah, Nothing the, would be. Well, the, the whole thing about the diplomat club with Jerry trying to meet that woman. That would be a big. That would be a Phone lot. Phone call. Internet. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, <laughs> George would realize he had zero black Facebook friends, maybe. Mm. <laughs> Yeah, also, uh, Mr. Pitt could sort of just uh, do a Google search about his medication. Sure. <laughs> All right, Keeve, uh, you, you want to dare uh, get out the report card for this episode? Yeah, let's let's bust out the report card and see what, okay. we're, what, what we're doing. Yeah, so why don't we start with the positive and start with the George storyline? Yeah, the George storyline is really good. Uh, it's original. It, it, it walks a line without being offensive, I think, to anybody. Um, you know, the end is the end amazing. It no, like the last scene isn't isn't bad, but I, I also I do like the Sugar Ray Leonard line. Some of these, so, there are a lot of things in this episode that are funnier the first time you see them, but they don't necessarily hold up upon many many repeat viewings. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'll give George an A minus. I think it's funny. Yeah, I have an A for that. I think that that's pretty good. Okay, now let's get into the rest of the episode, which I think is uh, a lot more uneven. Let's talk about Jerry going up to Ithaca and being with Katie in this episode, trying to get back. Oh, how do you grade this one? Yeah, Katie is so annoying. I don't really blame Jerry for anything, but, you know, and, and again, she's just doing her job, Deborah Joe Rupp, like her character's supposed to be annoying. But it's kind of one note without especially being funny or memorable. Mm-hmm. So I give this a C. Okay, yeah, C, C plus. I think that's probably in the ballpark. Okay, what about Kramer with betting on the airplanes? Uh, I I like this. Maybe I relate to it so much. Mm-hmm. Betting on stupidity. I, I I always like to talk about how when I go to weddings, I'll bet on you know every like how many people are going to walk down the aisle, how long the wedding's going to take. Like if I'm bored, I'll just gamble with someone near me for sh- you know just for fun. That sounds fun. I think I'd like that. Yeah. Next time you go to a wedding, gamble on everything, every aspect. Well, of the I hope wedding. we go to a wedding someday. Me and you. Yeah. Who would have to get married for us? Who to would go? invite us? Who would invite us to Sean Falconer? Sean, are you invite? Yeah, Sean, invite us if you get married. I mean, he might be married already. I don't know, but if yeah, a- any listener, will, I will go to your wedding if Rob goes, so we could bet on stuff. <laughs> yeah, but I, what if it's like a local wedding? What, local? What do you mean? Like what? So if somebody's getting married in Orange County. Uh, how about we meet? Let's just—it's in New York. We're both New Yorkers. Okay. Like we'll meet in New York. <laughs> if you get married in New York and I'm going to be there, Akiva will fly in. What about like a one of our second weddings? <laughs> yes. <laughs> well. At all, one of our second weddings, I feel like we're going to be too busy with... Uh, no, but it's a second wedding. It's a little more laid back, you know? You know, it's way laid back. It's really... Yeah, I, feel like, like, I feel like we could, uh, you know, you could get away for some gambling there. Yeah, My it's friend like, used to and say it's like also a, a destination wedding. wedding. It's like uh, not even like, uh, you know, it's just like friends and immediate family. Sure. Uh, my wedding was, it was in Florida. That's kind of a destination. It's a destination no one should want to go to. Mm-hmm. And God did not intend for people to live there, yeah. but still a destination. Um, <laughs> there, was, there was a story today that, that they, in, uh, in Florida, they have um, man-eating crocodiles, like roaming the streets. Roaming the streets? <laughs> not roaming, but they found three of them. Like, and not, not like, the, like the Casey Anthony part of Florida, like Miami. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, that's, uh, that's pretty wild. <laughs> Yeah, so stay away from Florida for a while. Yeah. All right. Uh, Then 
so what did we say for Kramer? Oh, if it's for Kramer, that uh, yeah, I guess the C uh, is. Well, I give Kramer a B. Okay, just because I like gambling. A little part. bit lower on that. I think that Newman really saves it uh, when coming in. He's pretty funny yeah, with Newman the Son of Sam stuff. Okay, and then finally Elaine with Mister Pitt. You know, it, the truth is, it's the best Mister Pitt storyline probably of the season. Mm-hmm. Unless you really like the, you know, maybe the hot air balloon stuff. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so what do you say? I think it's funny the first time you see it. I just don't. I think it's very easy to nitpick and find a lot of flaws in it on rewatch. So I'll give that a C plus. C plus. Okay. I'll say it's a C. For me, I think that the actual storyline of the episode was, uh, I didn't love it. And again, uh, the whole storyline being based on some sort of misunderstanding as opposed to, you know, that Elaine is really trying to do something nefarious. That, that just doesn't appeal as much to me. But the montage, I think, kind of helps it at the end. So yeah, Also, the worst scene. deleted scene of the whole series so far. Uh, you know, I can't find my DVDs. Where, so I have to watch them on Hulu. Where, so. where, uh, where George, is, for some reason, is manning the ticket, the Yankees ticket will call booth. Yeah, why? And, like, nothing's happening for 40 seconds. It's not explained why. <laughs> and then Sugar Ray Leonard picks up tickets, and then he doesn't realize it's Sugar Ray Leonard, even though he says Sugar Ray Leonard mm-hmm. for, like, 10 seconds. And then he starts yelling, oh, my gosh, it's Sugar Ray. It's like the actual Sugar Ray Leonard. <laughs> it's funny. All right, so Keeve, yes. did this episode, did Diplomatic Club crack the top 100? Uh, it did not. Okay, what do you got? I got 117 for the Diplomatic okay, I would have said 120, so right around there. I should have bet on it. Yeah, uh, we should. Oh, yeah, that's not bad. Next time, we, we'll start betting. Mm, okay, all right. So then uh, let's go ahead and jump into our emails, of course. These emails come into us every week. Seinfeld at postshowrecaps.com. Seinfeld at postshowrecaps.com. And, of course, uh, Keeve, why don't you get us started? All right. Johnny DeSilvera writes in. He says, according to the Inside Look, the Diplomats Club was shot entirely without an audience. Uh, yeah, it's really the least amount of time we spent in Jerry's apartment, basically uh, maybe since season one. Mm. Um, they, they're really in the Diplomats Club, on an airplane, and in Mr. Pitt's office for almost all of the scenes, right? Yeah. It's weird, though. It's not like everybody. It's not a theme episode where they go somewhere. It's just like there were no scenes taking place at Jerry's house. Right. I think there's one scene, that long scene at the beginning, like the, the first scene of the episode. And then I believe we're never back in Jerry's apartment again. Okay. All right. Uh, Johnny also says, uh, you know, because Johnny is, an, is our airport expert. He works in an airport. He says, the only real airport security question I can see arising from the Diplomats Club is that unless you have tickets to an airline that runs the lounge, you can't get into any private lounges unless you work in lounge. Yeah, of course. That makes no sense that you could just walk into an expensive lounge. Maybe like, 95 it was different. That just anyone could walk into the expensive lounge? Yeah, maybe. I mean, I think that there... I mean, maybe, maybe you're allowed to bring guests. So, like, Jerry, you know, Katie has her own, and then Jerry's guest is Kramer. In my mind, up until September 10th, 2001, you could do anything you wanted in an airport in the United States. Yeah, I think you're right. I think, uh, you know, you could walk, you could Especially go out on, if you look yeah. like some sort of an executive, you basically had, you know, free reign of the entire place. Yeah, simpler times. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Jeff P says, uh, first off, absolutely love the podcast. I only came across it six weeks ago. And since then, I power watch slash listen to each episode and podcast to the point that I caught up last week. It's somewhat depressing because now I have to wait a week for each new podcast. So people are binge listening, Akiva. Yeah, we've gotten a bunch of messages like this recently. I, I love it, Jeff. Uh, I, you know, you listen in such a short amount of time. I, I want people to like give us a little bit more when they say that. Like, 
it, like, is there a point where you think that the the quality went up? It went down. I want to I want to hear more about people's bin, binge listens. Like, you know, is there like a promise I made in season two that I've forgotten about keeping mm-hmm. stuff like that? Yeah, it's interesting because uh, that I feel like that this is probably the only podcast of the podcast that I do that people would listen to it in that way. Right. I mean, you could. There are other shows you could do it, but I, I feel like of of all the shows, this is most conducive because we went in order. And uh, listen, it's a good thing you didn't listen to me. We just counted the top 25. I mean, we would have been done years ago, but mm-hmm. people wouldn't have necessarily binge listened. So yeah. there's that. All right. So this is also continued from Jeff. Anyway, from last week's podcast to Akiva's point about not wanting to give out a stock tip in that it might drive down the stock price if everybody on earth wanted to buy it. Obviously, Economics 101 will tell you that as demand rises, so do prices. And yes, it works that way with stock prices as well. When demand goes away, the price goes down. So in the case that you were wondering if I'm a financial advisor and willing to be your financial advisor correspondent, uh, if you don't have one. So that's... Yeah, just- we don't. So he's, our, he's named our financial advisor. Yes. So if, if you had a stock price, uh, ideally, you'd want to keep it, you'd want to keep it low by not telling a lot of people because if everybody's buying it, then it would get more expensive. Yeah, but my friend was still selfish. He still should have told me. <laughs> sure. But you could tell one person. I mean, what were you going to buy? Like uh, 9 million shares? Right. Yeah, I would have bought like a thousand bucks worth. I mean, it was, it was, I was in college. Yeah. It was terrible. Would not have changed the price by one penny. All right. And uh, Jeff says he loves listening to REJP and 32 fans. Yeah, that makes one of him because you don't like listening to 32 fans. Who, me? I got to. I got a critical review from Rob before we started about the 32 fans. <laughs> I just said episode. I didn't love the episode where you guys picked out the music. I what mean, if we, what if we, I just, under- we're talking about a Seinfeld episode that I didn't love. It doesn't mean I don't like the show. <laughs> what if, what if we had under promised in the title? Then, then, then would it have been better? Yeah. I felt like that you did an episode where you said that you guys were going to fight. And I felt like that there was not a lot. It would be like if we talked about a Seinfeld episode called The Fight. And there was like, they sort of said, uh, like, uh, you know, I'm not, you're not my favorite person in the world today. Like, hey, don't get me started. Like, uh, you know, I feel like that that would be a little bit of an undersell. All right. Well, we'll make the titles more, more, uh, more on the nose for next time. All right. So Colin, the pizza delivery guy writes in, he says, uh, he's talking about last week's episode. We wanted to know, we said the old Will Chamberlain was famous for betting uh, many a uh, lady mm-hmm. and we want to know who the new wilt chamberlain is do you think wilt chamberlain saw star wars uh did he see it like in the theater <laughs> at any point uh, i'm gonna say no he's okay. too cool for that all right well do you think that that was his pickup line <laughs> i don't I, I think it was uh i scored 100 points in an nba game oh that's probably that's, that's like if, that's that would be my pickup line mm-hmm. if I'm Will Chamberlain. Right, I averaged fifty points a game for an entire season once. Mm-hmm. Sure, that'd be my pickup line. Yeah. So, um, I so we re suggested like uh, Charlie Sheen and some other celebrities like uh, Leo. I think was my pick. By the way, we didn't say any women who were the new Will Chamberlain. We should have, you know. In, yeah, I in feel this, like that's sort of um, that's uh, shaming to if you nah, start talking about. No, well, you first of all, you you were already. This was last week's episode. You're already slut shaming Estelle Costanza. <laughs> um, and then, you know, listen, gender is a social construct and it could be a woman. Uh, I can't think of like who the ideal woman would be for that off the top of my head. But anyway, so Colin, the pizza delivery guy, writes in and says that the new Will Chamberlain has got to be British comedian Russell Brand. Okay. He won the Sun newspaper's Shagger of the Year award three times before they eventually gave up and literally named it after him. It's now known as the Russell Brand Shagger of the Year award. Okay. He's the ass man. No, nah, but yeah, I went on his Wikipedia page. He's only 
Like he was married to Katy Perry for a very short amount of time. Mm-hmm. And now he's been in a relationship. Like even if he was that guy, there's only four women listed in his whole Wikipedia. Mm-hmm. Um, like he's no longer that guy because he's in a committed relationship. It's got to be a an avowed bachelor like, you know, George Clooney back in the day. Yeah, George Clooney is a good one. But now he's married. Hmm. Yeah. You yeah, know, in fair. the 90s, like when this show was airing, the clear winner was Adam Duritz, right? The lead singer of the Counting Crows who dated at least two of the three girls on Friends. You know, he has probably a serious Wikipedia page. Yeah. Right, let's see if someone could beat up, beat out the uh, Russell Brand answer because I'm not, that's not my final answer. Yeah. I feel like um, it's got to be a musician, right? Yeah, I think, yeah, it has to be music related for sure. Yeah. I'm on a message well, board. They but say Prince was like, was really legendary, but yeah, legendary, but he's, you know, I don't know. He's no longer with us. He can't, he can't win that award anymore. Yeah, probably not. I'm trying to look, Google this and yeah, there's no real answer about this uh, that I can find. So uh, we'll, we'll still continue to look for that answer as we, uh, as we go on here in the Seinfeld 180 episode rewatch. All right. Then uh, let's take another email. Uh, This is from Craig from Vancouver, who says, uh, have either of you guys ever asked or been told what celebrity you look like? I can't find a picture of Keeve, so I can't really say for him. But Rob, I look at his picture, and the best I could come up with was guy on a box of laundry detergent. Does he mean Mr. Clean? What's he talking about? Is there a specific guy that's on the box of laundry detergent, or I just look like a guy who would be on a box of laundry detergent? I feel like it's I feel like it's the latter because I don't know. I have like Tide or whatever. There's no guy on the box. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also, Craig, do a little googling. I, I just I just googled myself. Google image myself. There's a hundred pictures <laughs> in Google images. Wow, you're you're calling him out for? Are, are you negging him? No, I'm not negging him. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying, like, you know, if you want a picture of me, like, I guess not all these pictures are of me. Like, there's a picture of Mike Bloom in the, when you Google image of Kiva Wienicker. It's not, it's not <laughs> so, me. Wow. But if you could probably figure out who's so you me. You look and who's like Jerry Mike Seinfeld. Bloom. Yeah, there's a lot of, oh, like, there's some really random people in here also. <laughs> not every picture's of me, but I feel like you'd be able to figure out. Okay. You'd intuit which ones are me. Yeah. Uh, who's the celebrity that looks like me? The celebrity that looks like you. Well, first of all, Mm. have you ever gotten like oh my gosh you look like x yes and who is that uh when i was younger i used to get a lot that you look like adam sandler uh that was like when i was uh at, you know uh younger and i used to get a lot at the time like the turn of the century uh a lot of you look like jason biggs was uh who i would get a lot at that time and also it didn't help uh, the fact that he was in a film uh, in which the subject matter seemed like also something that uh, that that potentially uh, a plight that I might also uh, have <laughs> similar. I could I could see Jason Biggs also like like Jason Biggs likes to say that he like everyone thinks he's Jewish, even though he's not. And right. you, named, you were named an honorary Jew also. Jason Biggs also, I think, has uh, gotten into a workout routine, which I have not kept up with. And I think that he is a lot, uh, you know, uh, I think he's a lot bulkier. I'm not saying he's fat. I'm saying like, yeah, it looks like he's like been lifting weights uh, over the last 15 years where I have not. Yeah. And I my if like for my celebrity, I feel like if someone looked like me, they'd immediately automatically not be a celebrity. Anymore. So <laughs> I don't have a celebrity look like. Is there a, a politician maybe? 
<laughs> uh, I, I don't, if someone has a lookalike for me, I don't know. But. Yeah. Um, then Other than I, my idiot friend Chemi that people think we look like. <laughs> Also, uh, there is a contestant on the new Bachelorette that I've been getting a lot of uh, people sell- telling me on Twitter. There's a guy on the new Bachelorette who looks like me. Okay. Bachelorette What's his contestant. name? Um, I have to take a look at the Bachelorette contestants if anybody is uh, so sure interested. Sure you do. Yeah, you don't have them in the back of your head. Uh, I, I don't have. Well, why, would I, why would I do that? I, I, like, I'm, I'm like so pumped up uh, that there was a person that they felt like was not too hideously ugly to... No, you just pumped up about The Bachelorette. You love The Bachelorette. No, I don't. The tell is that if I love The Bachelorette, I would podcast about it. I have, you know, I, we have people, uh, Amy is and Haley. Will Haddish. <laughs> what? I don't know. I just Googled Bachelorette Rob Sesternino and that's what came up. No, uh, Jake, the landscape architect. Is who people have, but it's mostly that he think he's wearing a shirt that looks like a shirt I would wear, and there's uh, the most passing of otherwise other resemblance. Okay, uh, so then uh, let's go back to uh, Craig. Now that Mr. Pitt is gone, what are your final thoughts on Mr. Pitt? I know Kiva was not fond of him, but considering that he was really the uh, first long-running boss in Seinfeld history. I think he deserves a character eulogy. He wasn't great, but he gave us Mullen Springs, and if that's all he gave us, then it was worth it. Yeah, I think, you know, Sean Falconer did uh, some sort of study a bunch of episodes ago where he, like, took the episode rankings of a lot of rankings and, like, put in the guest stars to see, like, who brings up and down an episode. And I think Mr. Pitt's episodes were the lowest ranked of of any of the, you know, big-time guest stars. So... I don't I don't hate Mr. Pitt, but I think the show really needed to lose him going yeah. forward. It's fine. It's certainly fine that he returns uh, in the finale to discuss how Elaine tried to kill him. What was the pitch you think for Mr. Pitt where they're talking about, OK, what should we do for season six? Like, OK, what if Elaine works for like an eccentric rich guy and then he can like send her on like wacky errands and stuff? You feel like that, that that like really hit in the room or maybe they had some other idea for him. Yeah, I think you're right. I think that's exactly what it was. And just and it was just funnier on paper than it ended up being. What about the actor who plays Mr. Pitt? Do you think that Mr. Pitt could have been better with a different actor? With all due respect to Mr. Pitt? It's a good question. I just don't know how much they gave him. Yes, probably a, a different actor may have knocked out of the park. But I don't I don't I think his a lot his scenes like took place in his dreary sort of apartment slash office. Uh, he like like Jerry says until the scene in the pharmacy never interacted with the gang, mm-hmm. so he really it, he didn't have a lot of uh, a, a lot of really choice, you know, parts in 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 his six episodes in season six. Okay, what else you got? Um, okay, so Lindsay, who's been Lindsay. really becoming a regular, she writes in. Says throughout the whole episode, Jerry is the one who sounds like he needs cold medicine, not Mr. Pitt. Am I imagining this? No, Lindsay, it really bothered me. Did you notice this, Rob? I did not. He is so nasal. And like you almost think because the, the cold stuff comes up, you almost think like, oh, wait, is Jerry going to the pharmacy to get the cold medicine? But he's not. He's going to get a toothbrush, which, by the way, was he planning on sleeping over? I don't think he was. So he's just where is he brushing his teeth in the in the airport bathroom? Like what's going on? I mean, I could kind of get that, that he's doing a show. Maybe he doesn't want to have food in his teeth when he's going up on stage. So I, I kind of get that. Like I've had okay. different things where... I'm going to go and uh, like, uh, you know, talk in front in front of people. And I, I like to have a toothbrush there. I could sort of like, um, you know, if I'm going to eat something in between when I leave my house and when I'm going to do the talk, it's not, not a bad thing to have a toothbrush. All right, Mr. Hollywood. So, <laughs> uh, you know, but I agree. He, it's weird. It's almost so noticeable. It's like having a pregnant person, but not acknowledging it. Like Jerry is so sick in this episode 
that you almost have to have written it in, and they didn't. So yeah, I'd like to go take a look at a clip. I mean, but what are you going to do? I mean, it's like you have a production schedule. You got to do like a show a week, and you get sick. Yeah, but I just say like, oh, I have a cold. Just yeah. throw away I have a cold, and then you're right. fine. Uh, she says, if she says it seems ridiculous to her that Katie would think Jerry wouldn't know what happens on, what happens on an airplane. So why does – and also why does Jerry freak out when he sees the pilot? He just got in his head. It's one of these like, you know, don't say this bad word. Don't say this bad word and then you say it because you were thinking about mm-hmm. it. Okay. Finally, Chester says, putting your boss's photo on your desk doesn't seem transparent. It seems creepy. <laughs> Yeah, would that be creep out, Mr. Morgan? Did George dodge a bullet? No, I, I mean, I, I think, yeah, it, it wouldn't have creeped him out. He just would have rolled his eyes and hated George the exact same amount he had hated him the minute earlier. Mm-hmm. Then also, Chester wants to know, why is there a group of people taking photos in George's office? Yeah, I mean, George probably test, he's probably said, like, I want to test out my new camera. Yeah, probably. It's like, hey, all the guys, let's get a picture together. So I feel like that George probably influenced that. And then finally, Chester wants to know, uh, Mr. Morgan is a pretty weird guy anyway, isn't he? Why is he sitting at a fancy restaurant eating alone? I feel like that it's weird to me that Chester has an issue to this. I feel like that Chester. Oh, I Chester. Yeah. Who's clearly had many meals alone. Probably eating alone right now. I just. Yeah. Problem. That Chester never goes to a restaurant by himself. Yeah. I don't buy that. Mm-hmm. Unless he has a weird thing where it's like he doesn't want to be. See- you know, he does care a lot about what other people think. We established that. So I'm not sure. Yeah, but he has so many podcasts and spreadsheets to do. I yeah, that's like true. There wouldn't that's be true. any time for other human it's- interaction. It's it must be oh yeah that's for sure. <laughs> there must be uh, if it's much easier now to go to a restaurant alone and be on your phone than it used to be where like you need to bring like a book but there's certain restaurants like you can't be reading a book in or yeah. a newspaper like that doesn't always work like yeah. for lunch that works but not at a nice restaurant you can't just like spread out the New York Post have no issue with eating alone in a restaurant. Have you done it recently? Have I? I'm trying to think. I mean, I'm sure. Surely for lunch, I I don't know if I would go to a nice restaurant by myself unless there was some like you know if i'm staying in a hotel certainly like the last time i was in vegas you know i did enjoy like you know going to the you know haven't have a meal but i wasn't like eating at any place that was super nice also when you have kids like when you usually eat with kids running around which i don't Mm -hmm. but like if you if you're the type of person who does like I think the idea, like either of our wives, would probably like be thrilled to go out to a restaurant by themselves. Mm, I don't think my wife would, uh, you know, be super like. She, th- th- I feel like that that's not really uh, exciting for her, but uh, I love it. Yeah, it actually kind of sounds good now. I might try it tomorrow. Yeah, why? Well, it's nothing wrong with it. Take a take, especially if your laptop. I, I mean, laptop, iPad. The more devices that you could have with you, the better. Oh, totally. Yeah, and then it's like no one's like, "Why are you ignoring me and being on your computer the whole time?" Like that. There's nobody. Oh, saying it's fr- it's liberating, Keith. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think we should do this. We should go out to lunch together, but sit by ourselves. <laughs> you could be listening to a podcast, like on Facebook, reading Twitter, uh, oh, watching a movie. Great. Yeah, it's fantastic. I. I I highly recommend it. All right. Uh, speaking of high recommendations, Keeve, uh, we talk about our iTunes page every week uh, where people can leave us feedback of the Seinfeld uh, post-show recap. Have we gotten any in the last week? Yes, we got a couple uh, reviews. Oh, good. We're, we're really on the... We're, I think we're only six behind post-show recaps. We're trying to pass post-show recaps for the most... The uh, podcast award nominated post-show recaps. Yes, which means technically we're podcast uh, award nominated. Yes, yes, we are. 
So congratulations, Keeve. Yeah, congratulations to us. We could put it, I could put it on my resume that I don't have. Yes, nominated for Best TV and Film Podcast and also for the People's Choice Podcast of the Year uh, post-show recaps. Are we the favorites? Would you say it's looking good for us? I mean, I think that we are the reigning champion. I, I don't know if, if uh, the odds makers, you'd probably have to ask Chester to put the odds together of he is a big podcast aficionado, so maybe he is working on that spreadsheet as we speak. Yeah, and and so as the defending champions, are we like the Golden State Warriors of the podcast <laughs> awards? Oh, we could get upset. I, I don't want to be overconfident. Well, so could the Warriors. They're down two to one in the Thunder as we record this. Yeah, the series will probably be over. The finals will probably be started by the time uh, That's we're true. recording this episode extra early because I am going to be in Reno uh, this week at part of uh, the Jason Somerville poker event. Uh, this week, and I probably will have a couple of meals by myself. I'm very excited. No, about there's that. so many fans there. Unless you unless you actively want to avoid everyone, you'll you'll have people at every meal. I mean, breakfast every day. I'm gonna, gonna be people at breakfast. People want a piece of Rob. They're gonna want to sit down with you. Ha- I'm happy to have a piece, but I feel like I, I gotta have one meal. If you want a meal to yourself, you could get one. But I feel like <laughs> I feel like does that have to be soup? Be, Can it be soup? Well, it's not a meal. Uh-oh. You could have soup, but it, unless you have like some giant cracker, it's not a meal. Look. All I want is the Mr. Morgan. That's all that. I'd like to have one Mr. Morgan while I'm there. All right, but then you can't do that in the hotel. You got to like go out somewhere where nobody's watching. Oh, I'm not going to leave the hotel. Or you, do you have a car when you're in Reno? No. Well, it's hard to get too far then. Yeah, where would I go? I don't know. You drive to the best restaurant in Reno, which is probably like a Chili's <laughs> or an Applebee's. No, no. I, I don't have that, uh, those sort of uh, exotic tastes. Keith. Chili's and Applebee's are exotic? <laughs> well, why? I mean, I'm in a hotel. Why am I going to go stay, uh, go to a Chili's or Applebee's? Well, you want to, maybe you want to avoid like all of your millions, the millions and the millions of the Rob's fans that no, are in I, the lobby. <laughs> I think, but maybe, maybe one, one morning, maybe I'll have a, I just want to have a cup of coffee. You got to send them to room service. You can big time <laughs> everyone and sit in your room. That's what I would do. All right, Keith, what are we, <laughs> let's get back to iTunes. Okay, so Max Benowitz uh, reviews, he writes in, the title is a podcast about love, deception, greed, lust, and un- unbridled enthusiasm. <laughs> Thank you. He says, uh, this is what podcasts are all about. Two buddies sitting around chewing gum and talking about Seinfeld. Five stars. All right. Yeah. And the Spy Coup Poet writes in the best podcast about nothing. This is a simple country podcast, but not really. It's more like a complicated yet very funny city podcast about nothing. Some might say the hosts are <laughs> cockeyed optimists who got caught up in the dirty game of world diplomacy and international intrigue. But I wouldn't say that. I just say that if you're a Seinfeld fan, you should be listening to the podcast. Great reviews. Max Benowitz and the Spy Coup Poet. If you want us to read your review, uh, and seven of you do it this week, and we pass postal recaps, and I could make fun of Zach Brooks, that would be great. Um. Uh, thank you so much, everyone, for uh, writing in reviews. It, uh, it it makes me happy when I'm sad. Okay. If you were going to post a review this week, what would it be for a different podcast? No, for this one. For this one. Oh, because I was thinking about my based on this episode. What would you, what would you post? Oh, we've done better. We, we've done we've done better. I'm a I, tired. I, uh, what I was saying was like, uh, <laughs> oh, fine. that uh, even Sugar Ray Leonard would. Uh, oh, like, you, yeah. oh, an inside <laughs> joke. You want an inside joke, not yeah. like an actual like. A minus B plus review. Okay. I was like, uh, this podcast, like I, like, I love the podcast so much, I want to smother them both with pillows and kill them. Right. Like, I, I like the reviews that, you know, incorporate what we just talked about. What do you think about getting into, like, a non-relative's will? What do I think about it? Uh, I mean, it's certainly shady. I mean, unless it's, like, a lifelong friend. Like, yeah, I think it would be fun to, like, befriend an old lady and get into their will. Not to, like, knock them off, but... You like you you time your cards right. I did have 
I don't know how I could tell the story without sounding like a monster. But no, so like there was a family friend who I didn't know this till afterwards. But when I was a kid, like he didn't have any family. So my sister and I, this was before they had the two, uh, the, the two members of the now core mm-hmm. four. Uh, my sister and I were like supposedly in this guy's will because like we were just like family friends. He didn't have anybody. And then like right before he died, he got remarried. So we were totally out of the way. Oh. He was wealthy. Like it would have been a nice amount of money. Is it possible should Dan the benefactor that in case in case something happens to him before we we finish out the run of the series should he update yeah. his will to include the charitable donations to the charity of of, of our choice for yes. all of the episodes that go over 1 hour and 10 minutes? Uh yeah, I do think that he uh yeah, I think that like he should make sure the executor really writes in that you know like we're priority i don't know about number one we got to be top five yes okay also uh that i don't know like how much we should kill off all of our fans like even no no they won't like yeah that's for charity that's not for us that's yeah that is not yeah we're we don't we like dan we want you to be around forever but the charity needs you dan although that being said that maybe uh you know dan might want to consider allocating a portion of that charity money going to our great editor scott st pierre who as we have raised so much money for a good cause has come at the expense of uh, of scott and all of his editing yeah yo if you're and if someone is writing us in to their will because they love the podcast scott's it's got to be three ways it's got to be me rob and scott that's true yeah it's charity it was uh, we never talked about us we talked about the oh the no charity but if there's a fan who loves us so much that they want to put us in their will <laughs> that's fine but i we're insisting that's that scott gets in the will also okay fair enough and and in and like uh, I, this should go without saying but make sure to mention because he'll come after you, he's a lawyer Make sure to mention that Chester gets nothing. <laughs> else he'll be he'll be jumping around. So, yeah, I've been in there. every episode, so technically I am also part of the podcast. <laughs> yeah, oh, he'll, you know he'll do it, and uh, we'll take care of you afterwards, guys like Johnny and Amir. Don't worry about it. But <laughs> I, I do think like you know you have to be. I do love. Well, I don't actually. I was going to spoil the end of a movie. There's like a movie that a great movie that ends. Uh, Star Wars with. Yeah, well, I don't know. Maybe Star Wars ends with someone reading a will. I won't say it because it's really the very end of the movie. But, Bull Durham. Uh, I think it's. Uh, is there any wills in Star Wars? Mm, I don't think they have really. It's like with the, like Darth Vader, like gives something. Yeah, there's not to, a lot of like last will and testament talk in uh, you know sort of like uh, legality and things like that. Um, but that being said, uh, Keith, let's start to ra- bring this one home. And what is the hashtag this week? Oh, I hope you have something because I got nothing. Okay. Uh, is the hashtag, uh, <laughs> have you ever seen Star Wars? No. Uh, farewell, <laughs> Mr. Pitt. Yeah, we could do farewell, Mr. Pitt. That's good. <laughs> okay. Uh, or uh, pulling a Mr. Morgan. No, I like farewell, Mr. Pitt. Okay, farewell. It's, it's time to say goodbye to Mr. Pitt. Okay, uh, farewell, Mr. Pitt. All right. Uh, thanks so much to uh, Scott St. Pierre for uh, all of the uh, time and energy that, that gets put into making the Seinfeld Poster recap happen. Uh, we'll be back next week. What are we talking about, Keeve? Uh, next week, we got the face painter. Oh, that's have, exciting. Yeah, we have the guys paint themselves up for the Devil's Game, and Kramer gets into a fight with a chimpanzee. Yeah, and then one week from then... Uh, we'll get to the final episode of season six and it's time to talk about what are we doing in between season six and season seven.
Do you think if we skipped the season, people would notice? Like, what if we just went straight to season eight? People would notice. And then we were, like, almost done? Yeah. How many people would notice? I'd say easily. I mean, I think that most of the people that listen to the show regularly, I feel like that, you know, many of the subscribers, I'd say probably, like, at least, like, 60% of the subscribers would Yeah, I guess anyone who listens would probably, right? Because it's like, why am I missing 22 or 24 episodes? (laughs) What if we said, like, we promise we'll get back to them at the end, then we just, we never get back to it. We'll go out of order. We'll say, okay, trust us. We're doing yeah. a new or this is a new watch order. Trust sure, us. Yeah, this is like the canon order. Like where they really wrote season eight before season seven and then Larry left and then they, they messed it up and whatever. Yeah. Uh, and then just like not do it. And then we're like so close to being done. No. OK, we're going to do it the way it was meant to be the way God intended it. Season seven will be coming up next. But we have in the past done a little interludes in between seasons. And so. If you guys have ideas for us, you can send them into us. Seinfeld at postshowrecaps.com. Let us know in your comments as well on postshowrecaps.com. And, of course, uh, look, you can put them in the iTunes page, and also uh, we'll see them there at postshowrecaps.com slash Seinfeld iTunes. Keith, anything else? Um, no, I, that's about it. I hope, uh, you know, I hope uh, to speak to you next week. I hope I'm still here. Okay. All right. <laughs> Take care, everybody. Bye. 